Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome to our show today. It's March 18th, 2015. I have a wonderful guest. She's going to talk to us today about the signs and symptoms of a brain tumor. It's a really tough subject, and it had to be a really difficult um, situation for our special guest, Kim Spardaro. And... um, All I can say is I'm hopeful that everybody will tune in and learn something about this and hopefully never have to um, be up against it. But if if you are, um, at least you'll know what to do. So let me bring onto our show now Kim Spardaro. Hello, Kim. Thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You know... um, I know that you survived a brain tumor and you were treated at Mayo Clinic. That's right, yeah. So um, I don't know the particulars or how long ago it happened or where you were um, with your regular life at the time. Uh, We know that that you um, studied aromatherapy for healing purposes and practical applications um, for use in hospitals and that you're a uh, board member of the Wolfson's Children's Hospital. Yes, that's also correct. Started, you also started your own company, um, a fragrance company, um, back in 2011. So why don't you tell us how you got on the path that you're on today? I'd be glad to. Um, yeah, you know, I really wanted to tie in aromatherapy or holistic ways to help you know, rid headaches without having to take. I suffered from migraines when I was younger. A lot of it was hormonal, and I soon realized TMJ. So on and off with headaches over the years. And I wanted to use products um, that I wouldn't mind using on my kids and my home and less chemicals. Um, And that was my background, really kind of my interest in it. And it really stems back to when I was a child and and wanted to do this even as, as young as I can remember. My mother raised on a farm, kind of raised us in the suburbs like we were on a farm. And, you know, we grew our own ingredients, and she always tried to um, make our own skincare line. And everything was kind of holistic and out the gardens and whatever we could concoct. And I kind of learned from that, but you don't realize you're studying any kind of chemistry till later in life. And when I studied the aromatherapy part, um, I really was just reading books. And then I had three children 
and wanted to, um, you know, fast forward to having three kids and wanted to tie that holistic means into some part of my life and raising the kids. So as, uh, you know, the years progressed and headaches on and off, I, I would use certain oils, the, the basic oils, the lavenders, the bergamot, um, you know, the cloves, simple things that you could get at your health food store. But I wanted to deepen it more when I um, wanted, I started working um, with the children at, at different kind of fundraising events or um, kind of inspirational events when I was on the board of the Children's Hospital. Still I am and just don't get to, to, to work with them as much now. And also, um, parallel to that, I was working with the American Cancer Society, volunteering for fundraisers and, and different events that were held. And I got to work hands-on with patients, in particular children, young children, you know, all the way up until their teens that were diagnosed with brain tumors. And I was touring the hospital one day, and I thought, why don't I create with what I'm doing for my own children in my own life, why can't I bring in uplifting scents to the, the children here? They're in isolation. What can I do to pipe in a scent or to nebulize it in the rooms? I knew enough that you couldn't like candles and you know, you don't want to always burn things like that. What's more holistic? So I really embedded myself into studying it and I rolled in the American College of Healthcare Science and studied the clinical aromatherapy side, and that would be to understand how the oils work, what the chemistry is, what their proprietaries are, what what they're used for, and uh, I really just there was all that's all I did, you know. I and, and engulfed in it, mm-hmm. wanted to learn about it, learned that there are a lot of naturals in it, and it's very difficult to uh, pinpoint which ones are going to be the allergens. Um, that will affect somebody with a compromised immune system. So I had to be very careful with oh, that. And interesting. It, 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 there's a lot of liability when you take, you know, anything like that into mm-hmm. a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so sure. in turn, I made sense for myself and friends, you know, out of aromatherapy products. Women going through kind of depression, menopause, just needed a little spunk in their life. You know, here's a little something <laughs> sniff this for nausea outside of the hospital things. You know, people are like, oh, my love life sucks. You know, let me give you a little something. And, you know, through my chaotic alchemy brain, I'm like, oh, let me you know, mix a set inspired by my trip to Mallorca where I danced with uh, these Spaniards. And that's how the original scent that became high in demand um, through my nose and, and tying in, you know, the moment my time in Spain, how did, how could I make that into an aromatherapy product, a fragrance to wear, scent your home, and to really uplift people's spirits? And that's really how I got started. That's interesting. I was just reading an article about how they did a scientific study and women that wear certain scents, people view them facially as, as more attractive. Yes, that's true. And one of the... That, you know, it goes back, um, you know, to the history of perfume, also the mm-hmm. attraction, the sense of attraction. And we all find different things that we're attracted to, but there's the memory of scent. When when somebody passes you by or an old lover, an old girlfriend, mm-hmm. a family member that maybe has passed, an item, it doesn't even have to be perfume, but it is a scent that evokes that memory. And um, mm-hmm. in particular, the sensual side of fragrances um, and what that can do for you in your love life. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing I, too, liked um, with all this was studying deeper oils, you know, getting outside of what the common oils that you can buy at your local health food store. And that's where 
I started pulling in more of an alchemy and and pulling in more of where I was visually. Something can I, I look at it visually and I can mm-hmm. smell it. I hear it. I can smell it. I don't mm-hmm. just have to walk up to a flower. It's it's what it is to me visually. It's the whole. Um, it's really tying in a scene and making it a, a story in a sense. Interesting. So with all that knowledge, were you diagnosed with your brain tumor after you learned all this? Yes. You know, that was years ago that I, I started studying aromatherapy in 2006. And mm-hmm. last year, May of 2014, it was pretty hectic from 2013, the end of 2013 into 2014. I would, had been in the Middle East working Came back, I've been in the Middle East and on Bali on a spiritual journey. Came back, it was Christmas, I moved into a new home I built, and I was tired, So, and I was approaching the golden age of 50. So all the symptoms that I had, women do this frequently. We pawn our symptoms off on horm- hormones. You know, oh, I'm tired because of this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this what 50 is about, being so tired? And I did realize after that diagnosis the little lightheadedness, the dizziness, the feeling like maybe a little vertigo had been Uh. happening. Um, I didn't notice this loss of scent because it was a gradual, I didn't know that I couldn't smell as strong as I did because it was so gradual. And I maybe didn't notice the loss of my taste because of the gradual effect of it. I did make things stronger, and every time I would request my lab, could you go up more in oil? And they go, really? It's at 18%. You know, at 20%, you're going to have elixirs. Mm. I'm like, just do it. I want it that strong. And I still do them that way, but the diagnosis came May 3rd. I, um, this is a few days. I was turning, uh, I turned 50 May 8th. May 3rd, I woke up. It was a Saturday morning, and was supposed to go to a concert that night with a girlfriend, and I could not get off the couch. Super tired. And I called my girlfriend. I said, I'm really tired. I'm going to nap. Let's see how the day goes. And I got up, walked around, and just all I can tell you is I did not feel right. And it was something I knew I needed Mm -hmm. to listen to my body. I called my daughter, who um, she studied. uh, Her major was biochemistry, and she's very, very holistic in what she puts in her body, understanding the body and cells and wants to go into cancer research. And she's 25 at the time. I called her, and I said, I think I may be having a heart attack Something is going on. I don't know exactly what it is. I, I called my nephew as a paramedic in Orlando, and I said, what do you think? He says, listen, you've been in your body 50 years. You know it more than anybody. Get to the hospital. So wow. she drove me to the hospital, the emergency room. I walked up to the counter, and I said, something is wrong. <laughs> I feel funny. Mm-hmm. And I know they must have thought I was a kook, but I said, my heart's racing. I may be having a heart attack. Of course, they did the EKG and hooked up IVs just in case. And the EKGs were fine, but my blood pressure was crazy. And I said, well, you know, I have this sensation in my head. I did not have a headache. I had what what I would describe as a mushroom cloud sensation. So if you can imagine, you know, this cloud starts off very small, and I could feel it on the scalp on the top of my head. And it wow. became a little bit more painful because I would grab my head and but it wasn't one of those that you hear people that excruciating they double over. It wasn't the migraine headaches that I'd suffered from for years. It was nothing like that. Well, they ended up putting me in the CAT scan and came out and very openly, blankly said, We found a mass on your brain, you're gonna have major you're gonna have uh, brain surgery tomorrow, we're transporting you to another hospital. 
Well, <laughs> the cliche, yeah, the, the irony of it, my mother died January 1st, 2011 of brain cancer. So immediately oh, my daughter wow. and I look at each other and I thought, and she died nine days after her diagnosis. So I looked uh-huh. at my daughter and I'm like, you cannot, this cannot be happening. I, this is at the point in my life, a big transition, turn 50, and, you know, then they start heavily medicating you, and then you get to the point where you're like, okay, I got a brain tumor. Let's deal with it, <laughs> you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's exactly mm-hmm. what I did as, as they transported me. And here's the part where you have to be your biggest advocate. You know something's going on in your body. Well, you, you get, I was transported to another hospital, and they ran a series of tests looking for other maybe lesions in the body that would have contributed, and this would have been a secondary tumor. And they couldn't find any after days. And so they suggested radiation, wanted to make the mask and do radiation. My daughter said, you know, and I was like, okay, whatever, you know, we're going to do this, I'm going to get over it. It's benign. I want to say this was a benign tumor. Once they discovered there was nothing else in my body, that's when they came to me and said, this is a mangenoma, and I may be pronouncing it incorrectly, but this is a benign tumor. But the seizures mm-hmm. is where the damage comes from and can cause problems and cause death. So I wow. um, went and like, okay, I'm going to have radiation. She said, you know, let's let me let's look into Mayo. Let's stop and let's study this some more. And she bedded herself into studying it. And, and uh, through some contacts, I was able. I was already a patient just a minor patient at, at Mayo, which is a few miles from my home. And we got in oh, okay. and uh, got to see uh, the, the neurosurgeon there, Dr. Warren, Warren, and he said, you know what, this has got to come out right away. You are not a candidate for radiation. The tumor was attached, it was on the olfactory area of my brain, and it was attached to the lining, stemming from the lining and causing swelling and leaking into the brain. So the brain was yeah. actually shoved to the left and it was call it causing a vertigo but the sensations i was having where it was vertigo were actually minor seizures not the seizures oh. where we all think somebody's going to be out on the floor so the what everybody thinks that you know this is right away all the symptoms but i think you just have to listen to your body instinctively not be paranoid and not be a hypochondriac but just right. instinctively go and be in tune with your body the best thing i always mm-hmm. tell people is be in tune with it you know, see how you feel, what you've eaten, and, and you know, have you worked mm-hmm. out, maybe pulled a muscle, something that can cause the disease. But this had gone on for months, and I ignored it because I attributed mm-hmm. it to being tired and, and working, you know, 24-7 like I do, and and also my age. And I was incorrect with all of that. So luckily, mm-hmm. um, Mayo is right here, and he's very clearly said we're going to cut from here to here and put his finger oh. on my head and ran the line and uh, oh. through microsurgery. A few days later, I went in, had all the blood work done, got all my business in order, which, you know, just to make sure the kids, everybody was okay, and then mm-hmm. went in for surgery on a Friday morning. And um, I was in a great mood. Of course, you know, <laughs> medicated. There was, I didn't have the fear. I was felt like I knew I was in good hands, and I knew it was benign. So for me, I had... A, a better uh, open aspect of like this is coming out. I want to get it out of my body, and sure. then you know, then we're going to deal with what's after that, the therapies or whatever I'm going to have to go through. And um, yeah, so I woke up on Saturday morning or later, I guess that evening. I can't remember. Well, all of this was a bit of a blur and some memory loss. But uh, I remember him coming in and unveiling my head, unwrapping it. Um, it looked quite horrible. Me with two black eyes, swollen face. 
And Jeez. he said, guess what? We saved your olfactory and your, your taste. So as the swelling of the brain went down, uh, I noticed I could smell things stronger. I could taste. So I was losing it. I didn't know. I, d- I didn't pay attention to it with all that I was doing. You know, this is where you need to slow down a little bit and be in tune with your body. <laughs> I was so busy working and pushing my, my line of perfume that I ignored symptoms that I shouldn't have. And and even when you go to the doctor, I would say, you, you feel like something's wrong and you're not, you know instinctively, request that CAT scan and that MRI. They Nobody wants to do it because of insurance reasons, but we would have missed it. I would have been dismissed out of the hospital going saying it's high blood pressure. But thank God the first hospital I went to, Baptist, said, no, we need to do a CAT scan just to make sure. Wow, what a story. Amazing. Yes, and so I... I uh, I was not the best patient in the hospital. You know, they said, you know, don't touch it, don't get out of bed. And, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of hyper. And it was very difficult to hold me down, but it was a scare also. Um, but it was a new awakening. The fear of turning 50 was no longer there. Not the fear, but, you know, that age will say, oh, God, I'm turning 50. Um, I was like, damn, I'm 50. This is good. I have lived through the, I, I can mark brain surgery off my bucket list. That is something we don't want to put on it, but I can only say I had it. I survived it. I'm missing some hair. Have a you know a scar in my skull. Um, I have a little hole where they oared through the skull to get to the tumor. But you know what? I'm alive. I can taste. I can smell, and I'm living life to the fullest. I appreciate every day oh. and every experience mm-hmm. that I encounter. Mm-hmm. Did you have any side effects um, post surgery? <laughs> yes. Um, one of the worst things, and, you know, this is not a recommendation for anybody, but one of the worst things I experienced was, uh, well, coming off of the steroids was bad enough, but the barbiturate uh, anti-seizure drugs that they put you on, were they shut you down to a level that I can't even explain what I was going through. I decided to take a half of the dose because I could not function. I really didn't think I could get off the couch and function as a a human being anymore. I stuttered. I couldn't think of words. I could not form a word as I thought about it. It wasn't a constant thing, but if I tried to, like, the conversation you and I are having now couldn't have happened. And plus the brain's healing, the swelling's going down, and I understood that, but there was something more than that. So the the prescription for the anti-seizure was so strong that it just, my body was just like a, in a, a coma. I really couldn't move. So I weaned myself off of it within about five days. I waited to get off the steroids, and then I weaned myself off of the anti-seizures. And then all, upon my visit to my doctor to take the stitches out of my head three weeks later, I said, you know, i got to tell you, I took half the dose, and then I skipped a day, and he goes, you're fine, stay off of it. You're good. You don't have to go back on it. Now, if the seizures came back, I would have addressed it with, hopefully I can say this, alternative methods other than that. I would have looked at other things that present, prevent the seizures versus that drug because uh, it was so severe. Yeah, yeah. Well, but it was life-saving. It was, it, you know, the, the seizures were... I felt like, you know, that was definitely the things that would have damaged my brain. So it was necessary mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the time. 
and, you know, I am here now, and, and whatever methods I do is, you know, a lot of it's because I'm hard-headed, but I started looked into <laughs> alternative. <laughs> I looked into alternative healing and, and, you know, more of a natural way to prevent seizures sure. and anti-inflammatories, so that was that was a big part of it. Do they have any idea what caused it? If there, it's there's no rhyme or reason why they happen, and they did do. They take a portion of that and they run a test to see if it's a reoccurring tumor, if it's going to grow back. And I cannot remember the factor what it is called, but it w- did not contain the gene that would have that tumor grow back. And they also keep a bit of it in a research lab there, and every six months they pull that that. Uh, dish out, they check it to see if it's regrowing, if there's anything else changing in it. And if it were, then they would have me in. If it was changing, there would be an alert. But so far, so good. May this year will be oh, a year. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that yeah. interesting that they're they're keeping tabs on it? Wow. How do they keep it alive? <laughs> I don't know any of that. I just remember them coming in, you know, that department. There's so many departments that visit you when you're at Mayo and they said, you know, we're going sure. to um the the one thing I, I do have to say is my daughter was a big advocate of what was going in my body to get my pH back cuz all the medications you're on and the, the the ability to think clear what what herbs and vitamins that I could add to my diet. It really helped the ginsengs and the ginkgos, you know, that Many things that, you know, I was trying to put back in my body and drinking vinegar, you know, a tablespoon of that a day. And um, not everything I liked, and but I did it anyway because I knew I was, you know, I was doing everything I could do to become healthy again. Yeah, that's interesting how your daughter um, incorporated, you know, alternative medicine into your recovery. Yeah, and I, you know, that was for me... Um, it gave me something to look forward to, to read up on. And, and every day, it's like I, it became a routine. You know, I wrote it down, and everything had a schedule. Monday through Sunday, I knew exactly what I was going to do and take that day and get out and walk. You can't lay around and feel sorry for yourself. You have to get up and walk it off. Mm-hmm. Don't be a victim mm-hmm. of it. And move through the the, the tiredness. And, and then give your when you need a nap, take a nap. You know, I sure. I, do, I take naps daily now, and I always say I'm refreshing my brain. I'm, you know, once I wake up out of a 10-minute nap, I'm restored to a new person. And mm-hmm. I always listen to your body, but also give it a little nudge. Sometimes you get a little tired and you get a little blues with all the medication, the anesthesia in your body, and just move through it. Move through it as mm-hmm. much as you can, mm-hmm. getting up, getting fresh air, and getting out. Um, and I do it in little doses. Friends would come. I couldn't drive. They wouldn't allow me to drive for a while. People would pick me up and take me out just so I could be moving and out of a laying position. Uh, interesting. How long do you think it took you to to really feel back to what you might consider normal? How many months after surgery? Probably about four to five months. I'm not quite normal <laughs> ever, so. Uh, but feeling right now, the only side effects I feel like I have now that I notice is nerves restoring themselves in the the skull area. Underneath, there's a certain area that is numb, but it's coming back. For a long time, it felt like little 
strange little worms were climbing around in my brain. I know that sounds terrible. I'd want to, like, scratch them, you know, get them and tell them to calm down. But what that is is your receptors. Everything's working again. So on one side of me, it was like, oh, stop. But, yeah, keep going. You're restoring. You're renewing. And uh, the only side effect I have now is every once in a while I get this, like, tingling sensation. And it's it's like a little tiny little bit of electricity firing off in the brain. And to me, that's good. That means those nerves are coming back. So the area that I don't have sensation or I can't feel on my skull is now coming back. And he told me not to, you know, the doctor said, don't assess anything for at least a year. You're going to gradually get there. If it's major surgery of any kind, you know, it takes you a while to get back and get your energy level back yeah, and to feel yeah, like yourself it, again. It, it really does. Well, that's a pretty amazing story. Wow. Yeah, you know, it, you're going along in life, doing your perfume, doing your thing. Everything's good. Your kids, you've seen your kids grow into beautiful adults. I still have a 16-year-old at home. And then all of a sudden, your feet are taken out from under you. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have to go in with as much positive attitude, no matter what it is, and just say, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to make it happen. And, and that's exactly how I had to do it. It's like, you know what? This is it. Let's go for it. Let's make mm-hmm. let's do whatever I ha- I'm going to do whatever I have to do to fight this and I don't have time for it basically. Let's just make it yeah. right. Yeah. Well, positive attitude is everything in any type of illness. You know, you'll see um a, a large a larger percentage of individuals with positive attitudes um recover versus those that won't because of their negativity. Um but when you're faced with a incredible challenge, which this was, and there's a lot of illnesses like it, initially go into a denial phase. You don't know you're in denial, but it takes anywhere from four four to six months to come out of that. Of course, in your situation, you know, it involved brain surgery. So, um, But, for instance, people with cancer, uh, that's how long it'll take him to all of a sudden wake up one day out of that yeah, nightmare. Yeah, it, it, did, it didn't feel real. The diagnosis, when I, I came home, like, you know, while I was in the hospital, when I came home, I was going to the store. My daughter's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, what? I still have to leave. I don't think it was, it was like a denial, but it was also an outer body experience. Like, this is somebody else. It's not really me that's happening to. I don't. All I could think about was what my mother went through and, I, and you know, how quickly it took her body. And nobody really ever knew until that tumor came out exactly what it was, the biopsy of it. And once it came out, we were clear. But at leading up to it, you wonder, you know, okay, is this it? Is this, is this how it's supposed to happen? But you, you do. I understand the denial and the outer body experience that you have thinking this is not me. And I just would go do things I would go shop, little minor things, just to get out and to feel normal again, to feel like I was in society, like every people were going about their lives. I'm like, but wait, I have a brain tumor. How can everybody be going? And I wasn't feeling sorry for myself, but it's like their lives are just going on and on. I need to be part of that. So I would get out and walk through a store or some of my favorite mm-hmm. little shops to go visit my friends at boutiques just mm-hmm. to be somewhat normal. Yes, yes. No, I I understand that part. I'm a cancer survivor, so I went through, you know, six, seven years of 
trying to find cures because I had two cancers at the same time. So wow, <laughs> you know, it's like. But again, I can relate to you because I always had a positive attitude through the whole thing. Granted, there and were they days told- that were very difficult, you know, because you have to make some very difficult decisions, and um, a lot of times with cancer, particularly. Uh, you're pretty much left making those decisions with your practitioners. Your friends and family don't want to take that responsibility on, and you wouldn't want them to. No, and I bet that is a scary thing because you're trying to say, is this the right thing? Is this, you know, and you don't know until you do it if it's going to work. And are you, That's right. are you, I'm sure you feel like you're buying time. Am I going to buy time doing this? But, um, yeah. And I, well, I was always looking I had, for cures. You know, I mean, right. I'm totally cured. And that's, that's fantastic. And, and that's why I always, with mine, when we we found that it was benign, I'm like, I will never, like, I can't even imagine if this was the cancer, if it was diagnosed as malignant, what mm-hmm. others, I always saw what others went through. So I always, and my, this is terrible to say, but I felt grateful that mine was operable. Yes. It was in the most, lo- yes. it was the most easiest spot to get to. I saw there's something positive in it. Well, look, if I'm going to have one, it's in the best spot. Mm-hmm. You know, we're mm-hmm. going to go get it. I'm going to have a hole in my head, whatever, mm-hmm. but we're going to take care of it. But you know what? I'm not doing radiation, and I'm not doing chemo. So I looked mm-hmm. at the, the mm-hmm. brighter side of what it could have been. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that that goes hand in hand with the positive attitude. You know, it kind of like sifts through everything that you go through, and then when you come out the other end, you still have that positive attitude. Very, yeah, and then the one, and you know, through it, through everything is you know, and being able now to get out and I get to go speak to groups and girls in high school and going to speak with a group in uh, Atlanta in a couple of weeks and aspiring women and and we all mm-hmm. go through different things mm-hmm. from childhood and up. But you know what? Let's use that, learn from that experience, and 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 move forward to help others through what they're going through, difficult times, if it's illness or other things in life, you know, find it and pull your inspiration and how you got through it and see who mm-hmm. else we can help along the way and hold their hand if you need to or just be a listening ear. But don't, the one thing I want to, I would like to suggest to listeners too is what I went through, some of it were people would go quiet because they didn't know what to say to me or they said, I felt like you were surrounded by family and I didn't want to bother you. I'm laying there. My family, I didn't want to burden them, so I'm like, you guys go home. You know, go back your lives. Don't hover over me. Don't hover over me. And then it was silence sometimes from friends because they go, but I thought you had people around you. I'm like, I needed to give them a break. I just wanted to hear from people at times. And, you know, they did. They were there for me. But don't ever feel like you can't call somebody and just we appreciate it. You know, I I don't know if you felt the same way, but I appreciated just hearing from people and knowing that, I was laying there, you know, suffering from my sure. my crazy meds. I had somebody to talk to. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I mean, family and friends are very, very important when you're going through a, a difficult health issue. Um, you you almost need a village, really, a village of practitioners, any- friends, and family to help you and through. Social, it's so and important. Social media. Social media was a big part of it, too, because of my line and because I've developed, you know, a great following of wonderful people from around the world. You know, you get inspiration from them, and people share their stories and um, prayers from all over. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have the big families. And so when they can turn to social media and that becomes 
social media is a wonderful village. And, you know, I feel fortunate to have my village reaches around the world with people that have become a part of my life. And mm. um, from whatever level you are, oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So whatever level you are, you can gain that out of social media. And um, it just, it, it was it's nurturing for me. And, sure. you know, and then knowing sure. that through my silliness, my drugged up state, that I could inspire somebody in Egypt <laughs> going, oh, my gosh, I'm going through this, but you're keeping me laughing and, you know, this and that. And, and then they would share their something about their life with me. And um, yeah. I, I just was touched. Yeah. I was very touched by it all. Oh, you should be. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Kim Spadaro, and um, we're learning about brain tumors, the signs and the symptoms, and how she took an unbelievable um, situation and turned it into a a positive for herself and for her community and for our listeners today. Now that you you pushed through that nightmare experience, (laughs) um, what sort of health regimens do you follow? I... um I'm a big Pilates girl. I love working on a reformer. So for my body, I am as as diligent as I can be. I have a pretty hectic travel schedule. I try to take my vitamins and work out, exercise, get fresh air. I found myself after surgery vitamin D deficient, and I wasn't going in the sun enough. So, you know, luckily I'm in Florida, so I go out 15 minutes a day, get a little sunshine. We're also worried you know, and putting sunscreen on and all that, but a little bit was good. So the health benefits of the warm sun was wonderful, critical for me. And, and, and now, still to this day, I juice. I, I've i always been into a health regimen. And listen, I splurge. If I want to eat something that's not so great, I do. But all in all, I look at what benefits I'm doing. What There's a lot of diet stuff that people are going on and at my age women are frustrated so they they go on crazy diets and they eliminate fats fats are good for you there's certain there's ingredients in everything that are uh, critical to your body so just keeping things natural and if it grows in the ground i want it if it's simple not saucy no casseroles those kind of my simple way of living it's not a diet it's no rules and you know i'm allowed to break a rule (laughs) but in general um i do not buy um, anything processed uh, scents that I get for my home. I make out of essential oils. If I was to buy something, you know, commercially made, I feel like I'm getting it. I don't know what chemicals are in it. When I'm using a pure essential oils, I know what I'm breathing in the air. Um, I like to clean with eucalyptus and water. And um, so that health benefits not just my body but my environment. And my environment is very important to me, and those who come into my home feel it. So I think mm-hmm. it's a way of living. Mm-hmm. It's a way of living when I travel. It it's a it's a way yep. of living every day when I go to a restaurant, it, it when I be, eat. Yeah. It must be challenging on the travel side, isn't it? It is. I carry a, uh, a travel pack of essential oils, essentials for me, essentials that mm-hmm. I keep on the plane, and, um, you know, I take 15, 20-hour flights sometimes, and I sleep. Wow. I get great sleep, lots of water, lots of hydration, um, a few glasses of champagne here use, and there. What do you uh, use to I try, sleep? Um, 
I don't take any sleep aids whatsoever. I try to do tea. I try to do bulk teas. I like to buy um, fresh teas versus mm-hmm. you know anything processed from the grocery store. I try to go to mm-hmm. local tea markets or herbal markets to buy. Uh, but I definitely mm-hmm. find the valeriums, you know, or it, the the chamomile teas, lavender. I use a lot of just lavender itself with jojoba oil, and I'll rub it on my temples. I sprinkle it on my pillows, um, and it's calming. Music, meditation, yeah, meditation, which we've uh, I haven't spoken about at all. Meditation has been a huge part of getting through this. I, I was meditating anyway, but I found I have a meditation bed that I go to. It's out on a sleeping porch, and I would sit out there. There's wind chimes. There's things that pull you into the element, and it helps you block out the outside world. Create a little space mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. But wherever I go, mm-hmm. I can meditate when I travel. I can meditate in oh, the plane great. in my seat. I sit crisscross applesauce, and I meditate there on the plane with my headphones <laughs> in, and I, and I listen to somebody talking to me. Music is huge. Uh, certain uh-huh. kind of spa-type mm-hmm. music, um, I listen to a lot of um, music from other countries that really help ground me, and it's part of the help. Mm-hmm. It's part of stress relieving, mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah, I I use lavender a lot. I usually put it on before bed, and it, you just have such a, you know, great sleep. It's very deep sleep. Yeah, it's it, it does help, and people more people that um, use it are coming back to me going, "You're right." Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I have it in lotions, too. And you can add it. You know, you can go to your health food store and make sure if, if the listeners, if they're going to buy lavender or, or any of the essential oils, try to get them in their purest form and not mm-hmm. mixed with a carrier oil or other. Um, you can buy the blends, but the, if you buy the blends, make sure you're buying them in brown, uh, amber or cobalt bottles. If you're buying it in a clear bottle, it's not the real deal because that the, 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 the UV light, everything will break down the oil. So if you're buying the real deal, it needs to be in a small little amber or cobalt bottle, and you don't want it with carrier oils or other ingredients. I try to buy the purest form, and you get that single note, that single fragrance. And then have fun mixing them up until you get something you like yourself. Don't apply it to the skin unless you know what the oils are going to do because some of them can be sensitive. You can be sensitive to them. Um, uh. But you can mix you can mix them with jojoba oil yourself, water, mm-hmm. put them in a spray bottle. You can spray your pillows, your linens. Um, there are so many in your car, a lot of places that, you know, mm-hmm. cars start to kind of get mm-hmm. old. Spray it on your carpeting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but just try to always use the purest form of the oil. Well, that's great advice. Well, it sounds like you're on the go all the time. So what do you, you do to de-stress um, outside of meditation and perhaps using your oils. Any other advice? Well, honestly, the a big news, I, I, I rarely turn on the TV. I'm listening, I listen to, like, blog talk, podcasts, and music. Um, I find okay. I get really stressed watching too much of the news and, you know, not agreeing with what's going oh, on. Yeah. I kind of close down in my world. Um, I enjoy, even I travel alone, but I enjoy a wonderful meal. And there's nothing for me to go out and sit at a table by myself and have dinner. It doesn't bother me one bit. And, you know, mm-hmm. I can take my devices and go on it and read emails, or I can bring a magazine, a book, 
I mm-hmm. talk to strangers everywhere I travel, and that's relaxing <laughs> for me. I let go of the day as much as I possibly can, um, uh-huh. and and then try to get out and walk and, and just escape whatever it is that maybe you know my day. Uh, now, are you my are day. you traveling? Are you traveling for work to exotic uh, yeah, places, uh, or and and why is it for talks, or is it to find? new ingredients for your fragrance business or what? It's it's both. I mean, for me, it's mainly for I establish relationships around the world when I travel and um, through an organization I'm a member of in, in Paris. They set up, they help brands like mine set up meetings with distribution in South Africa, the Middle East, Asia, so when I travel, I usually have quite a few meetings and meeting with different distributorships and beauty market, the beauty markets around the world. And, you know, first and foremost is to establish relationship and trust and getting to know the markets, the culture, and what's expected of me as a businesswoman. And, you know, I love to understand the culture. So, But I also find out about any charity I can engulf in. And all, and main thing is to experience something that I can bring back to the brand as a fragrance at some point or an ingredient from that area that can tie into the brand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're just about out of time. Is there anything else that you'd like to impart on our listeners today? No, I I just really appreciate you having on and, and listening to my little journey that I've been on, and I feel like it is a journey and a part of life, and it's you know, we're our our life is a book, and every that was a huge chapter, and I'm moving forward stronger oh, than ever, and I'm just ready to take anything on now, <laughs> just about anything. Oh uh, well, well, we just wish you the best, the very best. Well, You're definitely you a very so inspirational entrepreneur, and um, we're very privileged to have you on our show today. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful evening. All right. Namaste. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, listeners, that concludes our show for today. Please join us again the week after next. And um, be healthy, be wise, and uh, we'll talk with you again soon. Bye-bye for now. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, the entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guest. The information is not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It's not intended as medical advice. We're just sharing knowledge and information. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. 
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. We celebrate our listeners worldwide.